to episode 230 of CXO Talk. I'm Michael Krigsman, industry analyst and your host for this show. Today, we are going to be speaking about video, video in marketing and video in business. And we have two people who are two amazing people. Before I introduce them, I want to give a major shout out to Livestream. Livestream provides our video streaming platform. And I have to say, I used to use Google Hangouts like a year and a half ago, and it didn't work. And there were bugs and there was no support. And I hated Google Hangouts. And I went to Livestream and things just worked. And so I want to say thank you to Livestream. And not only that, if you go to CX, no, no, wait, wait, wait. If you go to Livestream.com, slash CXO talk, they will give you a discount. And without further ado, our two guests, I'm going to introduce first David Hoffman, who is a, not sure what the title would be, is a strategic communications consultant. And he's a guy who happens to have made about 175 documentaries for television. He's a guy that knows a lot about video and business. Hey, David, how are you? Hey, Michael. Hey, Mark. Good to talk to you. Thank you. So, David, uh, tell, us, tell us briefly, what do you do? I've been doing the same thing my whole career, which is communication. But what's communication? My view is it's not what you say that the audience hears. The audience hears what you say and what they already think. So my whole world is about engaging audiences. Engagement means I got to know who the audience is and I got to know how they're going to react to any message in any media. These days, primarily video. That's my world. But whether it be video, audio, a book, a podcast, or a meeting, if you don't know the audience, you're not going to have a successful communication. That's my view. All right. Well, clearly, we're going to be talking a lot about that. And our second guest is Mark Fidelman, who runs a marketing agency? I'm not. Is it? A, I'm not sure if that's the right term. Marketing agency or digital? Yeah, digital marketing agency. Yep. And so, so Mark, uh, hi. Tell us about yourself. Hi, I'm Mark Fidelman. I do run uh, Fanatics Media. Two focuses for us, and uh, very happy to be here, Michael and David, because I love talking about these subjects. The first one being influencer marketing, and the second one being video marketing. So. Um, I look forward to our discussion. I think the, the audience is going to learn a lot. Well, I look forward to our discussion because I produce one whole lot of videos and I want to learn from you guys so that I can do a better job. And I think we need to begin with the concept of, or the idea of the discussion, why, why video? Why should, why should business people care about video? Why do marketing people care about video? Thoughts? Anybody? Sure. Um, video is about emotion. What do you do when you read the Wall Street Journal? You skim it. What do you do when you read a website page? You skim it. We all skim. Nobody reads anymore. Maybe you read at night in bed with a book. So video is about emotion. Interesting statistic. The eyeballs last longer. Any other form of media that's on the web doesn't hold you like video. So if the video has a good story and speaks to a target audience or an influencer, as Mark said, I'm interested to hear what he thinks about that, um, then I say video is the most powerful way to affect an audience 
to make a change. Yeah, and uh, I'd like to give one example, Michael, if you don't mind. And then uh, most people here probably know Gary Vaynerchuk. If you don't, you should Google him. This is a kid, and I still call him a kid because he's much younger than me, who started doing videos on YouTube eight or nine years ago for his wine business with a cardboard table and some wine on top of it. It was a $3 million business 10 years ago. Fast forward five years after that, the wine business is a $60 million a year business in five years, all because he did a video a day comparing wines. If that doesn't tell you the power of video in business, I don't know what else can. And that was five years ago. And that's been millions and millions of viewers and thousands of guys making millions of dollars, as Mark knows. The key thing is this. When the person watches the video, are they a searcher? That's coming from YouTube. So this guy found searchers that search wine, spot him and say, whoa, I want to see that guy. Or is it your friends, like on Facebook, to very different states of mind? In one case, I'm searching for dog walker and not really the person whose video I'm watching. In Facebook, they already know me. I want a dog walker. They can hit me with a dog walker video, which is why Facebook's sponsored posts are just off the charts successful when you're targeting an audience. Amazing. Yeah, and, and Michael, you can't do this with uh, text or even audio. Gary could not have built that business with any other medium but video. You had to see it. You had to see his reaction. You had to see him. That's what made it work. And he did it at a time where video was barely even scratching the surface of what content's out there. Now, everyone's predicting it'll be 75% of web traffic by the year 2020. Let me just say one other thing about what Mark just said. Interesting, which is people say video should be 30 seconds. Video should be one minute, no more than 90 seconds. Let me tell you, I made a video on cancer for a guy who wrote a book on cancer. Nine minutes each clip. Everybody watches it. It has like a 90% viewership. It's not about time. It's about the audience. If the audience cares, and this kid's telling me about a wine that I didn't know about, and here in Northern California, people really care about wine, um, I'm going to watch the whole thing, and I'm probably going to click on his other videos. It's enormously powerful when you're speaking to the audience and trying to affect something, and you're a good character and you got a good story. I don't know if Mark agrees with that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I kind of look at it a little bit uh, slightly differently. Uh, because not all of us are Gary V. I look at the longer the video, the higher the production quality or the higher the individual char uh, charisma has to be. But that's not always true because if you look at the quality of video with Gary's videos, it wasn't there. You know, it was just him and his personality and his charisma that kind of drove it. You just wanted, he was kind of like the Howard Stern of the wine business. You just wanted to watch him and you just wanted to hear what he was going to say next. But he really knew his stuff too. So there was an educational component in it. I'm going to have to disagree with Mark about that. The example I'm going to use goes way back to my youth. I don't know how many of you watching this know Carvel. It was Tom oh, yeah. Carvel in New York City ice cream. And Tom Carvel produced these commercials. And the commercial said, hi, I'm Tom Carvel. I'm here in Riverhead. Hi, Joe. How you doing, Joe? You make ice cream. Is it fresh? It was the most primitive and enormously powerful. The same with Crazy Eddie in New York. I learned from that, and I have found experimenting that my most popular videos for clients and for me, sorry for the phone, are, they're all after me, only kidding. Uh, the the most ring. popular videos are not the ones that look the best. In fact, production value isn't it. Production value makes me think it's made by a company and it's public relations rather than 
what I call user-generated style. And I like user-generated style. Michael's talking to me right now, and I'm talking to you right in this little box, just being me and Mark's being him. That's the most powerful communication in my view. So I have, I have a question for either one of you. This, this issue of charisma, how, how do we create videos that cut through the noise? What can we do? And by the way, we're starting to get some questions from Twitter, but as somebody who creates video, I need to know the answer to this question. How do I cut through the noise? Especially now, there's so many people producing video and it's so easy to make video, most of it bad. How do I cut through the noise? Tell us, please. Okay, the old man goes before the younger guy. Uh, but Mark, you can interrupt. No problem there. Here's what to think about. Don't think about noise. Think about audience. Mark probably agrees with me about that. When I get down to, I have a video called, uh, it's about the United States equestrian team, made by the team. So I've made it. And in that, one of my keywords in, in YouTube was, falling off horses. 90% of the people who clicked that clicked my video in Google AdWords and watched the whole thing, waiting for falling off horses. So it's about who is your audience. There is no noise if I have a certain cancer and 50,000 people have that cancer and you've got a drug that's going to help me. You may not have the drug I use, but I'm going to go to you. Don't think about noise. Noise is if I'm selling Pepsi. If you're not selling Pepsi, but you're selling a brand, let's say BMW, it has a target, and they have targets within the targets. Is it a woman? Very different. They're still making their ads on television for men. I can't believe that. Is it a millennial or a baby boomer like me? I think. I think. Mark, are you a baby boomer or a millennial? I think. You're no, I, I'm. I'm not. A, I'm not either. I'm. I guess what they call Generation X, which they never came up with a name with name for, and we're still insulted by it. But just to play off what David said, you know, we work with a lot of different influencers, especially on YouTube, and some of them you know, put on makeup all day long and they get two to three million views every time they put on makeup. Who would have guessed, right? We also have another brand they're called, or another, another influencer called Healthy Junk Food. I mean, that's an oxymoron, right? But all they do is go out and create big versions of different fast food recipes and they knock it out of the park. Over 400,000 views every time they put out a video. So Michael, I don't know. There's not a single formula for success in breaking through the noise. There is a lot of noise, but I agree with David. You've got to find your, your, your audience. And if you experiment around a lot, pretty soon you'll be, be able to develop that audience and speak to that audience. But I still think you've got to work on uh, charisma. I think charisma is just a function of, okay, be who you are. There's, there's a guy who uh, does finance, and I'll look it up in between uh, uh, questions here that he's kind of dry, he speaks right at the camera, he talks about finance, but this is this guy's phenomenal. He gets three to 400,000 views, and he's talking about financial subjects like stocks and bonds and all these obscure subjects that you and I know nothing about, but he makes it plainly visible, and, and he demonstrates value by just talking in plain English what these things are. So there is, I, I haven't found a formula that, but I do agree, find your audience and be interesting to that audience. Let me say something about what Mark just said really powerful yourself make mistakes when reagan made a mistake in his press conference by saying look i don't know the answer to that he said to this member of the press his ratings went higher than they had ever been i think 76 percent of the country supported him be real the issue on the web with video is authenticity if that authenticity comes from a very well-produced beautiful musical comedy okay if it's come from you talking at the end of the day you're tired 
a little bit of circles under your eyes, but you're real. You'll work with the audience. Mark also has a part of his business I really am fascinated by, which is the influencers, because what influencers do, and there's a lot of statistics on this, if, they go, if somebody's going to watch 30 seconds, but it's coming from an influencer, they're going to watch four minutes. Yeah. The influencer has enormous power. They do. And uh, the person I was thinking of, David, was Scott Galloway. So anyone watching this, Google or go to YouTube and type in Scott Galloway. He doesn't look interesting at all, but I assure you, he'll captivate you into three to 10 minute videos that he does. A lot of good B-roll stuff, but phenomenal use of video for what he is, which is kind of a stock analyst that makes things interesting because of the way he presents it. So, uh, you know, uh, I've done, uh, out there. pardon me, Mark, I've done yeah. thousands, thousands of presenters in my life yeah. where my job has been to draw them out to become real. And I put them in front of the camera. First of all, I make sure they're looking at me, the camera. This is video on the web. Don't look off like it's the press. It's not the press. Press is over here. I can see that. I'm here. I'm talking to you right now, right into the little green dot on my Mac. That's real important. Second, I start off by saying from behind the camera to the guy, so uh, are you nervous? Yeah, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. Be nervous. It's not bad to be nervous. You're nervous. You're on media. That's good. It's good to be nervous. The other thing I say, which will help you all, I think, who have to go in front of the camera, think future. Video isn't about the moment. It's about the future. Somebody's seeing this in the future. Therefore, what do you need to say where a month later, a year later, five years later, it's going to have meaning for that person you're trying to reach? Well said. Well said. Uh, Michael, I, I want to ask Dave, David, live video. What do you think the difference is between recorded video and live video? And uh, can everyone make that uh, cross that chasm? Wow. What a good question. My vote is some people are good live, other people are not. The introverts of our world are tend not to be. It, Mark yeah. and I are more extrovert than Michael is. Michael has learned how to give his personality and rhythm and add credibility without really attacking you or being as aggressive as, as Mark and I are. So my vote is if you're not good on Facebook Live or YouTube Live, don't do it. That's yeah. not the thing for you. So would you... Would you even ask, would you, would you instruct them to kind of practice it to see if you'll get good? Or there's just, there's just people uh, that are good live like Broadway and there's other people that are good on screen because, you know, they need to practice their part 15 times before they go on. What a good question. You must have directed video in your life. A lot of times we're selecting characters on the phone. On the phone, we're not seeing their face. So I use things like, hey, do you like your work? And if the guy goes, eh, no, 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 he's not good in live. Live people have definite thoughts about everything, even if they change their mind. I really like this burger. I don't know what it is, but the burger, wow, that's, that's a certain kind of person. He makes a definite statement. So my vote is you're not so good on live if you want to contemplate. It's not a contemplative medium. medium. Yeah. You know, when I started CXO Talk, uh, the, the concept was live from the start. And I and and David's right. I am actually pretty introverted, although I've gotten used to, to, to doing this. But the uh, the idea for CXO Talk was when you do it live, it creates a certain level of tension because there's no safety net. And that means that there is pressure on me and there's pressure on the guest. 
And when it works well, it means you get the very best, the best possible thinking of everybody because they're on their A game. That's why I like live video. Well, you're running a program for an audience and your audience, I asked you before we started, is a broad audience that cares about the subjects you talk about and maybe some who care about video. There are two things looking at with video. I could be moderately good on video. My mother is terrific. One of the best political campaigns of this last season, I think it was in South Carolina or North Carolina, a woman put her mother on to talk about her. So always go to the most credible, authentic, charming character. Talking about you is better than you. Corporate leaders could do that. I mean, they got to be human beings also. They can't just be reading teleprompter. I wonder what Mark thinks of the teleprompter. I, I don't like using it. I can't use it or I sound like a robot. And then maybe back to what David said about live. I mean, it's not a complete tell, but if they're good on stage and can captivate an audience on stage, I've seen most of them make the transition to live video and they've been great. Sometimes they're not, you know, looking into an eye of a camera is not a natural thing to do. You really have to get used to it. And I, I find that if they can do that in front of an audience, they, they have a good shot of doing it live. But other than that, like me, I don't do a lot of live video. I just don't think I'm that good at it. I'm better recorded and contemplating what I want to say and making sure it's structured in a way that I think the audience will appreciate and I'm not wasting their time. So that's kind of my shtick. But I recognize there are people that are very funny, very entertaining that can do this and they can do it in 30, 40 minute chunks. I, I couldn't do it. We have a question from Twitter. And Arsalan Khan says, most companies are thinking about video for their external audiences. Is there a difference if you're creating video for an internal audience? You bet. Really good question. Two examples, because examples help. When, uh, who was Jane Fonda's first husband? Tom something or other. That guy, the senator. When he, was, when he was first running for the Senate, he said, I knew there was a problem with American car companies when my father who worked in the Chrysler plant, bought a Honda because he saw a Chrysler commercial on television he didn't believe. I ask you, when Morgan Stanley says, as they did last month, Morgan Stanley, for 140 years, we've been your trusted ally. Does anybody believe that? Does the president of Morgan Stanley believe they're my ally? you got to be kidding. Imagine the employees. They're laughing around the bar about that. When you speak to your internal audience, you got to go right for it. If you're firing a thousand people and you want to make a video that helps the other 19,000 think they're safe, you got to acknowledge, I feel awful about this. You feel awful about this. You see what I'm saying? The credibility factor gets even higher when the corporation is talking to itself because that's where the people know the truth. We, we all know that. Yeah, I mean, if I'm running a big corporation, I agree with David, I would probably do a lot, it, probably live and recorded at the same time, I do some kind of a three-minute pitch to my employees, and I, you know, I'd make sure that I talk about the relevant uh, items of the day, the week, the month, where we're headed. You know, it's such a powerful thing to do, and, you know, you can distribute it internally pretty easily and connect with every single one of those employees. Too many people have told me today that, you know, from the boardroom all the way down to the frontline worker, there's this huge disconnect. Now, what better way is there than video to, to kind of uh, make that disconnect less, less uncomfortable and, and uh, have a better relationship with people because you're connecting with them at a one-to-one -one basis? So 
I, I, uh, I have to agree. I think more corporations use it. I think they're not because of legal implications. But, uh, you know, for me, I, 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 think it's, uh, I think it's the future. I think it will happen, and, and I think it's a great idea. I have two. I just want to say two things. One, I totally agree with what Mark just said, but I have a really interesting insight. I was doing a commercial for Sikorsky, and Sikorsky Helicopters, part of United Technologies. And who got most affected by this commercial? They had to sell 100 corporate helicopters. They did that. It was the employees. Why? Because in the commercial, I honored the people who made it. And all of a sudden, the employees felt worth something. You know what? You give a guy a raise, 25000 bucks, 30000 bucks, not going to change his life. You do something that his wife and kids or her husband and kids can see at home, can feel, I'm proud of what my dad or mom does. Enormous change. That's really what video is about. So the employees matter. Mark is absolutely right. It's a really powerful tool, but better be believable. I want to know, how do you tell a story? Video is about flow. It has a beginning, it has a middle, and eventually it comes to a close. How do we structure the flow in order to tell a story? Well, I'll jump in, but uh, I think David's going to be better at this than me because of all of the stories that he's told in, in long form. But I always like to look at the classics and draw lessons from the classics. You know, how they invoke emotion, villains, good endings. You know, why are movies like, why do movies like Star Wars connect with us? You know, it's, it's about the future. It's about science fiction. But still, those stories that are about other things. And if I'm a brand, I'm usually about other things other than real life. How are they making those connections with people? So if I can do that in less than 10 minutes uh, and tell that story, have emotion, um, and follow some kind of a classical story structure with a story arc, uh, I think that's a big win if you do it right. Story arc, he's absolutely right about that. But I'll tell you what really does it. First, start at the opening. This is such a male thing, but it works for females. And tell me what you're doing. When females sometimes start stories to each other particularly, they wind the story out. That doesn't work in video because nobody goes back. So if I don't start off by telling you, what I'm going to tell you now is a thing I learned that has worked for 100 people. Now you said, okay, if you don't want to hear it, and this comes the other key thing, you have no ear lids. So if you're listening on a podcast or you don't turn the video off, you're still listening. Even if you're doing other stuff, typing on the computer, you're still listening. Your ears are amazing. So I say, make the story of interest to the audience. Tell the audience up front what it is I'm about to tell you and why I feel it might be of some value to you. And then run it in such a way that I'm surprised. People, kids love, everybody loves, oh, look at that. Look at that. Yeah, twist. Yeah. Twist. yeah, great idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of it as a mini movie, just like you do, uh, David. And except I, I, I have the foresight to know I'm not Steven Spielberg. So I always seek professional help when I need to need to. We've got comedy writers. We've got other writers to help tell a story. But so if you're not a good storyteller, there are places to help. It's not very expensive. And uh, those resources are right at your fingertips. All you have to well, do is ask David, for example. Or, or, well, or, Mark, I don't know. Now, I, watched, I looked at some of the videos on your website. Comedy is the goddamn hardest thing to do. It is. I can tell you that right now. And yours are good. Just that I laugh even once or even smile, that is just not easy. And dumb commercial makers, we all know this. On YouTube, when you see the commercials up front, they said, oh, comedy holds them for the 10 seconds. How many times do you watch the commercial on YouTube? Or how many times do you clip, skip it? 
it ain't easy. I saw two of yours, Mark. I like them a lot. Yeah, I know. I, and I agree. It's, it, it's not easy. So uh, if you are going to pursue comedy and you're not extremely funny, uh, I would hire writers. But I, I don't know what you think, David. I tend to move away from comedy unless I've got a huge hit. I mean, there have some been, been some brands. I mean, if you look at what uh, Taco Bell has done, maybe a little bit about what Wendy's has done, they've done some pretty funny, humorous videos. But in general, I kind of steer away from it until there's a, a greater comfort level with it. Totally agree. Here's why. How many people go to Taco Bell laughing? How many people go to Taco Bell because it's cheap and they can feed the kids? How many people go to Taco Bell feeling a little bit guilty that maybe it's going to make them fat? Who's your audience? That's what you want to do. I've run, you won't believe this, I've run, I've taken YouTube ads that are three minutes long. You can click off in five seconds. And I've got 50% of the audience watching the three minutes because it doesn't look like a commercial. It's not trying to sell you anything. It's pretty much the kind of videos you make, Mark. They're not commercials. But how do you feel about conversions on those, David? I mean, do they, you find them converting? It's one thing to show a funny three-minute segment, but are they really going to sell your audience? If you have got a long-term perspective, perhaps, but uh, maybe a short-term, it might not be the right thing for, for your clients. you agree? I absolutely agree, and I think it's important to think about, are you, because everyone says, I say, who do you want to reach? They say, everyone. It's rarely everyone. Yeah, if it's Taco Bell, it's everyone. But if it's a nuclear power plant device at a GE right. or a heart device, that ain't everyone. I really, in my work with GE, I help GE focus on the web, on understanding how to target that heart device at the doctors and the hospitals they had to reach, and nobody else. Let's talk about YouTube. And let's talk about, we have a question again from Arsalan Khan, who really raises a great point. He says, do video analytics help influencers become super salespeople or is it just gut feeling? And so this entire question of creating stories, when it comes to the web, is it about creating stories or is it about figuring out how to get lots of people to view? Because a lot of people think it's the latter. I think it's both, really. I mean, I, I look at what the influencers are studying. I know what we're studying in terms of analytics. Uh, you can see how long they watch your video on average. You can even do it at the individual level if you've got the right tools. You know, we use TubeBuddy. Uh, I can't recommend that, that tool enough for YouTube. YouTube's analytics is uh, it's really good as well. You can really start to understand what videos do well, what don't, and then kind of reverse engineer them to find out, you know, why am, why am I not connecting with my audience here? And why am I connecting my audience in other places? I think the thing about influencers is they're not afraid to put themselves out there, be authentic, and find that. The audience really finds them, but really talk to that audience about things that they're interested in. I mean, there are people um, that I think unbox therapy, for example, they get over a million views just unboxing tech products. <laughs> and the reason is, is because he does it in a fun, entertaining, interesting way. But if he doesn't like a product, he says so. There is, he doesn't hold back. He'll lambast you. So you got to be careful what you send him because he might review it and it might be a bad review. I would say, uh, you're asking a question about analytics. I agreed with everything Mark said, by the way. Analytics I use heavily. Now, I use two types of analytics. I agree with Mark. YouTube's pretty good, really good. Seeing where did somebody drop off? Where did most people drop off? X number drop off in the first 15 seconds. They're not your audience. X number lasts the whole time of the video. Interesting. X number drop off 32% in. That's also interesting because they might have lasted longer. 
So I do use analytics, but then I do something really strange. I call somebody who's watching it. I ask people, you know, you, can you watch that video? I'd like to call you. Because what people say gives you far more insight into the emotional reaction they're having. Which if you said to me, okay, David, what's the most common reaction? The most common reaction is he's not talking to me. I don't know why I'm listening. I don't know why I'm watching. That's not good. That means either the person doesn't understand the audience or he's got the wrong audience. In some videos I've done, I get a 5% viewership. 5% don't click off in 30 seconds. But I want the 5%. I'm fine with that. Those analytics really help. Yeah, I, I have another example, Michael, I like to share that's less about storytelling. I'd be interested in what David's opinion is on this and maybe even your own, Michael. There's a, there is a YouTube channel called First We Feast. All the, it's an interview show, not unlike this, but it's very unique. All they do is they put set up 10 different hot sauces, each getting progressively hotter. They bring in a celebrity. <laughs> they bring in uh, it, you know, other YouTubers, and they place those uh, hot sauces on 10 wings. Remember, each getting progressively hotter. And after every time they eat a wing, then they have to answer a question. And you can imagine by the end of it, <laughs> thing is burning a hole in their tongue so uh there's one episode in particular uh with kevin hart this might be the funniest show i've seen on youtube but it doesn't really follow a story it just follows the career of somebody that's that's being interviewed there but i think people are tuning in because they want to see how this celebrity really breaks down and starts crying by the 10th by the 10th wing because it, it 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 is a phenomenally entertaining show so it's a there's a humanizing quality associated with that yeah, when you're breaking down from, you know, being burnt by uh, hot sauce and you're about ready to vomit, yeah, there is a humanizing quality about that. David, David, how, how, how can we humanize our videos, which gets directly to the point of authenticity that you raised earlier? I'll make a list. I mean, I told you, start off by making mistakes. Mistakes immediately draw the audience to you. Hmm, I'm sympathetic to that guy. He's not perfect, though, that girl, pardon me. I'm not being sexist about this. And two, I would say, tell stories from the heart, even if they're the wonderful idea. You eat this stuff and it's got spicier and spicier, and then you start burning your thing, and the reactions are real. That's got an arc to it, what we call a story arc. That's pretty good. I like that. Um, I was thinking of Pepsi and Coke. Remember when Pepsi went in the streets of Central Park? Yeah, the challenge. The challenge. And before that, there was Avis and Hertz. We're Hertz. Um, we're Avis. We're number two. Oh, boy. Yeah. The audience went, I want number two. You wouldn't have thought that. So I say resonate with the audience, which is the key, with the people watching, by being, um, I'm not saying real, because that's the wrong word. That means honest. You don't need to be honest. Honest, sometimes good, sometimes not good, but real, real. Like, I'm not going to tell you right now why I know my Taco Bell is made with better ingredients, but I know it. I'm, I can just take it as a given. That guy I trust. I can't, if you want to see what not to trust, watch commercials on television. Everybody who's got a DVR is speeding past them. The advertising agencies, can you believe this, are still ignoring that that's what their viewers are doing. They're saying, well, we got 750 million views. They did not. The people are DVRing. The commercials are unbelievably fake for the most part, even when they're faking being real. But, uh, David and, and Michael, you know, what, some of the, because I work with brands a lot, maybe David does as well. I'm sure he does. A lot of them are afraid to make mistakes. I mean, I'm doing a series of 12 episodes for a company now, and my God, everything has got to be perfect. Now, Ooh. fortunately, it's still coming across as somewhat authentic, 
But there is no room for mistakes. You can't make a mistake or else there's serious repercussions. At least they're telling themselves that. So I'm wondering what David thinks about that. And I think you know, from what I've seen, that's the majority of brands that are producing their own videos. Less so about influencers because you know, they know the influencers already got a big audience. So they don't care if they make mistakes with their own audience. But if it's coming from the brand itself, I'm finding they're afraid to make mistakes and therefore not willing to take that step to authenticity that you're talking about, David. Totally agree. You have a business, a part of your business that I would use. I, I didn't know it until Michael prepared us for this talk today. But influencers can make mistakes. So even though the company has its lawyers, God, get the lawyers off yeah. the script. They wreck everything, right, Mark? That's right. They wreck yeah. everything. They get the lawyers off the script. They, and then you remember there was a Time Magazine ad once which had a two-paragraph thing coming out of an oil company or something, and every single word was crossed out and changed. And that, the answer was, don't get a group to write a script. But you know that in the brands, oftentimes, pass that over to PR. Oh, God, don't ever pass the PR. Pass that over to marketing. Oh, would you pass that to the legal department? So he's got this other business, influencers. They can say the things, make the mistakes, be the real that you can't be. And I, to me, that's, I don't know how many agencies actually do what you do, Mark, but it's a very appealing way to get around the silliness inside the corporation of making a mistake. I mean, personally, I, you know, for myself, I work also with large companies and as well as with startups. And I think that that fear of making mistakes, which is the desire to, to appear perfect and to present the image that we don't have any vulnerabilities, it's such crap because the reality is that, I mean, seriously, right, it's bullshit. And the, because the reality is, is that we're all alive. I mean, presumably we are since we're having conversations about this stuff. Well, not according to Elon Musk, we're not. Well, there's, there, you know, let's most, most of us are alive. Any, anyway, so... So we all know that being alive means that things can go wrong. Things can fuck up and they will. And it's going to, you know, it happens. And so we don't need to smooth out. We're not, you know, we don't need to smooth out. Well, Michael, Michael, just look at United Airlines. Can you believe United Airlines? That CEO ought to be trained by Mark and I and you, Michael, in to be a human being. In my early life, um, uh, what was the famous chemical company that that Bhopal they they poisoned? Dupont. No, it wasn't Dupont. It was the other big one in Connecticut, M Michael. Uh, anyway, big huge chemical company. Oh, uh, Union Carbide. Union Carbide poisoned twenty two thousand people, and our and Mr. Anderson who had never smiled hardly ever, got on his internal and external media and said, I, I, I think I'm going to cry. So that was the start of his talk, having poisoned 22,000 people. The United Airlines CEO, the guy has no feelings. The PR people had to train him to have feelings. What a disaster. Now, they train the feelings out of their CEOs. You know, <laughs> that, that's what they do. I've seen their training. It's ridiculous. Another good example would be Tylenol when they came out, you know, after somebody had poisoned Tylenol. That was a good, I think, response to it. But you, I, we still see these corporate hacks, these executives that are towing whatever legal line that the PR company has told them. 
and they come across as unauthentic and people don't believe them and it just makes matters worse and I, worse. And I think, David, you've highlighted what happened at United. It's case in point. You know, another one, I'm not going to name the name of it. It's a giant soda company. When you work with them, as I have, everything goes through a group called Public Affairs. Public Affairs has to approve absolutely every outfacing commentary from Coke to keep the brand whole. As Mark and I both know, to understand a brand is a critical thing, and they may provide great insights to that. But to communicate to an audience requires the audience you're communicating to, which these public affairs people don't have a clue about. You put those two things together, and you make messaging. You make power on video, in my view. All right. We have about seven minutes left. This has been a very fast conversation. Uh, I'd like to go back to the notion of, uh, of building an audience. And I realize that it all starts with understanding, understanding the audience, communicating to the audience, evoking emotions and being trustworthy. But I also want, I want to know the cheap tricks. I want to know how I can get more people to watch my stuff. <laughs> Are there any cheap tricks? Or does it all come back to that same thing, which is hard work? Well, it's I, have, I have a cheap trick, but I want to hear Mark's first. Well, I mean, the, the most natural way of doing this is if you have other audiences, and most of the brands probably watching this do, whether it's on email, Twitter, Instagram, where have you, the easiest and fastest way to build an audience on YouTube or Facebook video is to invite them uh, to subscribe and give them, give them an incentive, do something that will get them to subscribe to your videos. Because on YouTube, unlike Twitter, when you subscribe, most of the time, depending on you know, whether YouTube's hiccuping or not, most of the time they get an alert that there's a new video been posted. Hey, go take a look at this. And they can watch it on their mobile. Uh, they can watch it at their desktop. Uh, for me, uh, YouTube is probably the number one place most people should be focusing, followed closely by Facebook video. But if you think about it, YouTube has got a big advantage with SEO value as opposed to Facebook, where nobody goes to Facebook to search on anything. Whereas on YouTube and Google, that video will sit there forever. And to David's earlier point, if you're building videos that have longevity, if you're thinking five years out, then this video is going to pay off for you. This, a single video will pay off for you for at least five years. Um, I'd say three things. And by the way, I never met Mark before, and he hadn't paid me. But influencers really work. I can't yeah. believe it. When an influencer says something about something I've made, the views go from 300 that I really care about to 30,000 in three days. Even if the guy's got only 300,000 subscribers, he knows how to deal with them. They're tough. They can ask too much money. They can be a pain in the butt. I don't really know all the details of influencers, but I love influencers. The goal on YouTube is shared. You want the video to be shared. So whenever I look at my weekly analysis on any client, I want to know how many people are sharing it. Am I reaching a guy who's got cancer in 63? So he's going to pay. So the other guy's cancer, maybe his doctor. That, that's very informative. And the third thing is, let's be clear. Facebook is going to kick YouTube's butt in one major area that's unreal. Facebook is about friends. So it knows that David Hoffman is writing you, is speaking to you now from his home. It knows it because I've made a Facebook post and I've said, I'm at home. Oh, home. David must live in Santa Cruz home. He must like this event. And it finds me. I'm clicking on one in 10 Facebook ads right now. Why is it Facebook sponsored posts? Why? Because they know me. They're figuring out, oh, the guy's interested in new glasses. Oh, he wants to go to Cancun Beach. It's fantastic. YouTube is about the searcher, 
wonderful, as Mark says, and huge, and China's opening up. I don't know what that's going to do to the total YouTube fan base. Uh, Facebook is about my friends, and it's about them knowing so much about me that if I'm one of 50 people in the United States who has a specific issue I want to deal with, they're going to find a video that the sponsors are right, that goes right to my heart. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll challenge David a little bit. I agree Facebook is going to head that direction. Uh, however, like Facebook has done to, to us marketers, and we probably deserve it, they make it very difficult to reach our own audience that we've built up unless True. we pay for it. So you better be prepared to pay for it. But yeah, second to none, Facebook is the best targeting that's out there. But I think YouTube will, will quickly catch up. I, I, you know, I have a lot of faith in Google. Uh, as much faith as I have in, in Facebook. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think YouTube is the primary place for the next couple of years because of the search value. Now, if you're producing Facebook live videos, uh, way better place to go than YouTube. So uh, it depends on what you're, what, what you're putting out there. Totally agree. I think that YouTube is the greatest network, the greatest video network the world has ever seen. So surpassing any other system that I ever had to find an audience that enjoys and reacts to what I've done. Amazing. So in our last few minutes, I'd like to ask each of you to share your advice. And David, let's start with you. You've spoken about this, but you've, you've done so many, so many videos. And some of your videos, like you did one, was it B.B. King at Sing Sing Prison? Was it Sing Sing? Yep. That is so phenomenal how do you how do you draw how do you do it how do you do it well from the corporate perspective they know that sponsoring events that people like care about is a great thing to do the problem is and it's a real challenge how to connect the corporation's values with bb king with earl scruggs or with other many other people that i filmed not exactly influencers mark in the modern YouTube world, but yeah. influences to the public. Um, in this case, this guy wanted to use BB King for one purpose, the guy who paid for this. And I said, I can get your purpose in there, but this story is about BB King. Otherwise, what's the point? It's so popular on YouTube today. I made it when I was young. I made it when I was 25. It, it got millions of views on YouTube. It sells hugely. And the client is long gone. The company's long gone. That's happened with my AT&T work. That's happened with a lot of these companies. The company's gone, but the videos are still running. That tells you something, Mark, about the life of these things. <laughs> All right. And Mark, once we've got a video and we want to market it and we want to put it out there, what's the best way to do it? Well, I mean, David stole my thunder, uh, as usual. <laughs> uh, influencers are the best. Uh, for two reasons. One is organic reach. I mean, because they're introducing your video to their audience. It's all organic. Second, you can pay for it. Uh, and you can pay for it on Facebook and YouTube. And Facebook will be better targeted. But YouTube does a great job of targeting as well. So that's another way very inexpensive, you can get it down to a targeted audience to two, three cents in some industries per view. I mean, that's phenomenal. I mean, you couldn't do this a couple of years ago. Uh, right. And then thirdly is share it on your other channels and encourage your employees, especially if you're in a big organization, to, to share it internally. Totally agree with what he just said. Didn't say that. Really good. The employee base is enormously powerful. 
their spread is so great that when you're lucky enough to do something that you ask them to through, you know, employee engagement programs, ask them to share, it skyrockets viewers that mean something. Not just viewers, viewers that mean something. Okay. And on that note, it's time for episode number 230 of CXO Talk to draw to a close. And in the spirit of sharing, I am going to ask each one of you to like us on Facebook. You can do that now. Click the little YouTube button and subscribe to us on YouTube and call five of your friends and tell them to do the same thing. No, seriously. Thank you so much to uh, Mark Fidelman and to David Hoffman for joining us on this very interesting episode of CXO Talking About Video. Next week, we are joined by David Edelman, who is the Chief Marketing Officer for Aetna, the big insurance provider. And we are going to talk about how changes in the insurance market and environment and expectations affect a large, a huge insurance company. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great day, and we will see you soon.